2021, baby. Welcome back. I also got a mug. Also a mug. Cheers, Brennan. Cheers. <laughs> to merch. To the new year. And to Office Hours, episode eight. Episode eight. We're here. Made it. Wow. And the lighting's a bit different, so... Let us know if you absolutely hate it in the comments. <laughs> and if you're listening to this, it's the same. <laughs> wow. New year. Do you have any uh, new goals or resolutions for this year, Brennan? Literally just to be better. <laughs> I mean, that's it. New year, same me, but better me. What does better Brendan look like? Better Brendan's going to try and specifically read more biographies because that's just like really revving me up or like historical um historical type books i guess maybe mm-hmm. um just trying to learn about the world around us yeah um gonna just try and continue to be healthy there you go um, i think those are good resolutions i mean yeah shoot expand my brain and stay healthy yeah i think the biographies uh are a good one and our podcast kind of gives you a little bit of tastes of some biographies as well the podcast is a snapshot of in time of these guests autobiography in a way wow i like the way you put that i think that's very true well so recap of dr tracy's interview Mm -hmm. it was only an hour long it was a shorter one but great content i think that so just to give a little review we talked about mindfulness we talked about grief we talked about trauma and loss and maslow's hierarchy of needs um if you do not know what that is it's kind of a pyramid talking about how we need our basic needs met such as like safety and belonging security shelter and then from there we can go on to different levels and at the top of the pyramid is self-actualization and realization which don't get talked about too much because i think that that's something that can just get missed because we are trying to make all these other needs net get all these other needs met um so yeah it was a really cool conversation uh a lot of insights that i think that can be helpful for a lot of people Mm mm-hmm do you have something that well i something that she touched on in the interview that i really think is important to realize especially as you were just breaking down the hierarchy for us right there mm-hmm. the things from the sections above can have negative influence on the things below so while the i the like core ideal behind the hierarchy is that like you move from one to the next they're all intermixed mm-hmm. and you can have irregularities in your second or third tier that can disrupt your lower tiers. So I think that a lot of times that I've heard it explained to me, it was like very concretely like you have to, and maybe it it may be true that you have to have the first one before you can move on to the next one. But the third tier can be something that disrupts the lower tiers as well, because everything's so interconnected. So to think that like, just because you've got like, What's the, what is the two tiers above like the base? So there's like safety and security and there's love and belonging. Right. Um, Your lack of love and belonging 
can give you insecurities on your safety, mm-hmm. yeah, right? So like they're esteem too, right? And a lack of self esteem can again make you feel like you have insecurities in your life and lack of safety. Mm-hmm. So they're all inner inner playing with one another, and so I think that was an important point that she made that you know they impact each other. It's not a one step after the next, and like once you're once you're at step three, like you're good on the lower two. Like you don't have to worry about those anymore. I feel like that's at times how it's portrayed. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that she clarified that for us. Cause I think it's uh, important to, for people to realize who are on this journey of like, you know, very similar to what we were talking about with Brendan going through grieving or whatever it is, like trying to navigate that process. If you want to turn to the hierarchy of needs as like a blueprint of maybe some of the things to try and address in yourself, it's, important to know that it's not just like check a box and you're done with it these are constantly interplaying with one another and i would kind of honestly say that every time you take a step you're working like they become one core right so like the minute you step up from the food shelter water safety whatever that bottom Mm -hmm. one is you just blend the two together. You're not actually leaving one level behind. Yes. And I think that is uh was very eye-opening for me. Yeah, you're not moving on. You're like moving Com- you're with. combining. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's it's hard to it's one of those things that like we're naming it becomes really valuable mm-hmm. because these are some things that we work with and that we deal with every day in our lives, like trying to find love and belonging, trying to manage our self-esteem and then really breaking this down and managing these different steps in our lives and seeing like, Oh, maybe I didn't get these needs met and that's why I'm struggling today. Right. Uh, I think it's just so helpful to really be mindful of Mm -hmm. um, because it's, it's just these little things that it it almost turns into an autopilot to where we, we don't have to think about these things because we have so much other stuff going on in our lives Mm -hmm. that once we stop and do think about these things that, that's when it can really be like, okay, I need this and I need to do this now. And then maybe I'll be a little bit better off. And then I can move on to this or move with this. So yeah, just the whole field of psychology and really breaking down and naming like what we're feeling and Mm -hmm. what we're going through uh, is so valuable. Yeah. And I think to an extent that is like the self-help industry in a very, different way uses psychology and like personal development practices to help achieve the same thing right like in a way we're all moving through that maybe a psychologist will work on lower levels of that hierarchy and the like self-help you know like a i don't know what whatever it is like I mean, financial advisors like are part of the hierarchy, right? Like that's a security and safety thing that, so everybody has a role in um, helping somebody move throughout the hierarchy, in my opinion. And I think the interesting thing about what we were talking with Dr. Tracy about and this idea of like working your way through the hierarchy, I just think that like that in a weird way is like the goal, like the goal of life, Mm. right. Is Mm -hmm. to like work your way through. So since we've had the, our conversation, I've been thinking a lot about how going through and like working on yourself in a lot of ways is like 
all any human is ever doing ever, right? Mm -hmm. We're all just constantly working on ourselves, trying to make ourselves better. And I think that she does a really good job of like breaking down how to do that. And like you're like you were just saying, understanding ourselves and putting being able to put labels on things that you're experiencing or feeling is a, is the best way to understand yourself so that you can make those changes and continue to progress on this path of like just constantly trying to improve yourself, be a better human and like that's that's the right. goal of like being alive. Yeah, and I'm surprised that I feel like we're not told this or shown this more because in sport, the idea is to score a goal or win a game. Mm -hmm. But they don't just say, you need to go score a goal. Like a coach tells you, okay, you need to go here. You need to move here. You need to pass to this player. Like there are tactics in mm -hmm. order to score that goal. Yeah. And I feel like that's not applied to life too much. Like it's not as practical as it should be. Like mm -hmm. it shouldn't be that you have to go get like psychological help in order to like learn these concepts or you have to go to school to learn psychology mm -hmm. to kind of start to break these things down so that you can achieve that goal. Yeah. And I think we, we limit the people who are having the worst experience potentially by how society stigmatized what it means. And I think we have come such a long way in the last maybe decade on like what it means to talk about mental health, mm -hmm. but you're not doing anybody at the worst end of this spectrum a favor by making them feel like they can't talk about or can't explore like what's happening to them, mm -hmm. you know, and we're like not treating it like it's a real like situation, like it's a real illness, like it's a real condition that somebody's experiencing. You know, I think that like you're saying when we when we can talk and work through these things and like grow and have a coach and have somebody who can help like train our thought process um you know you don't just go out there and try and do it but we need to make that a common and like well accepted process for people to go through because we're constantly all doing it yeah we're constantly practicing yeah and learning and failing and growing and mm -hmm. succeeding yeah and so I think this is where the whole piece about going on autopilot and like our subconscious and unconscious impact us, which I, th which is really cool because I think that she does bring her ideas like full circle. Like she doesn't just throw out an idea and say, okay, this is that, but she's like, okay, I'm doing this. Like I have my Maslow's hierarchy of needs because I know that it's like at the core and at the base of what we need and in order to progress. And then she ties in how, we go on autopilot and so it's easy to dismiss some of these needs and some of these stages and mm -hmm. forget about them and only focus on maybe self-esteem. And I think with autopilot, um, I read something yesterday that talked about how like when you're walking down the street, it's so easy to be thinking about something in the future, something in the past, instead of really just taking in the beauty of the present. Mm -hmm. And like, that's so true. Like when I go on walks, I get deep in thought. And it's really nice sometimes because I think it's refreshing. But at the same time, it's like, God, it could be a beautiful day or there could be an amazing bird flying or some cool sounds that I'm just not focused on at all, that I'm not taking in. And I'm just missing a lot of like what could make me happy. 
Instead, I might be thinking about something that happened in the past and maybe I'm working through it mentally and it's like healing for me. But at the same time, the thing that I also read said that like things in the past are dead. Like it's done. Mm-hmm. You need to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a very drastic point. Yeah. And I was like, damn, that's, that's pretty dramatic. Like I don't, I don't know if I can fully accept that yet because <laughs> I think working through and considering things from the past is very important. But at the same time, the point was just that you need to really embrace the present moment, not worry about what's going to happen next because there's a beauty in front of you and that's what's going to make you happy. You're making yourself unhappy by thinking about all these different concerns. Yeah, and I think like you're saying, you you need to find the balance of like having respect for your past but not holding on to your past. Yeah. You know, like don't throw in the garbage all the accomplishments that you have because they made you like without that, you wouldn't be standing right where you are in that very moment. (laughs) That's dead me. (laughs) Yeah. But, but like to a certain degree, like it also has zero bearing on what decisions you have to, you can make for yourself going forward. Mm -hmm. You have the power in any moment to like choose any path for yourself. Are you meaning to tell me that sixth grade? baller nick who was just pitching unreal at little league just slanging is some dead heat. like i can't live on and hold on to that forever i mean you can't if you want <laughs> to i just don't think you should <laughs> um but yeah i mean everything you just said we talked about in the in the interview in the form of talking about like mindfulness and being present mm-hmm. you know what i mean and i think that I had heard the description she gave of mindfulness before mm-hmm. in that it's it's a constant state of being. It's not a like momentary in a meditative state type of a thing. Um, and I really like that description because I think that it's so funny because people get so into this idea of like reaching this like meditative state and like being mindful and like the stress and pressure of trying to get into this like you know <laughs> meditative state is exactly what keeps you from being in a meditative state yeah. and you the, my favorite description of it is it's the art of doing nothing you literally have to just sit there and breathe don't think think about whatever you want to think about and that's okay that you're thinking about that mm-hmm. and like cuz like i i don't know that like I would ever get to a point where I'd be like, yeah, I'm good at meditation. Like I wouldn't know what that means, but I do know that if I go sit in a room and put on some like super peaceful music and breathe for 15 minutes and just like let my mind go wherever, but I'm just embracing complete stillness. Like I step away from that feeling at extreme ease. Mm -hmm. So call that whatever you want to call it. But I really have been working on just not overthinking what I'm doing Mm -hmm. because when I overthink it, then it's like, Oh man, I didn't do it today. That sucks. And then I'm stressed. And then I like, I'm like kicking myself while I'm down. Yeah. You know? So, and and that's a tough balance too. I think for me, that's what I go back and forth about is trying to be mindful of what I'm doing. Like in random situations, I'll say, okay, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Uh, can I slow down? Can I stop? And if I can, and it feels okay, then that's great. 
And then there are other times to where I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And then I start to overthink it. And mm. I'm like, Jesus, okay. The point of this is that you are just supposed to be mindful in this situation. Yeah. Not to just go on some tangent in your mind about something that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I go say back embrace the ridiculousness. Right. There's just like let, a beauty the, to let it. that stupid thought just pop into your head. Yeah. You know? And then like just let it let it be there. That is what you're working through in that moment. Because, you know, I would make the debate that in that moment there is you're not gonna get away from that thought. So don't beat yourself up for thinking it. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's something on your mind that's bothering you, you gotta you gotta think through that. Yeah. So don't think that you're just gonna be able to like step into a room and just shut it off. That's dead like, me, Brendan. That's the dead past me is dead me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree though. So yeah. Wow, Nick, I just want to take a second to stop this podcast and say how much I appreciate the questions that you asked. Oh, man. You want to know what else is something I really appreciate? When people like and subscribe our channel. Oh, that is the best. I also appreciate that. That's A1. So if you're hearing this in the middle of this interview, we would really appreciate if you would take the time while you're listening to go follow us on maybe Instagram or maybe our Facebook page. We got 140 followers on our Facebook page, Nick. Did you know that? Wow. No, I didn't know that. Yep, we sure do. Thank you, people. Thank you, people. (laughs) And if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps promote our podcast, get more listeners. And our main goal is just to really provide a lot of helpful information to people. And so the more people that we can get this information out to, uh, hopefully the better their lives are. And back to the show. It's like, I think it's more, you know, as we're sitting here describing it here, I think it's kind of just like this ability to shut off your judgment of yourself Mm -hmm. because that's really what you need to do. You just need to sit there and be, and be at peace with being whatever you are, Mm -hmm. you know, and then just sit there and be you. It'd be so nice if everyone could embrace that. Oh yeah, it's so hard. I mean, and I mean, it goes right back to the negative self-talk piece that you mentioned a second ago. Yeah. Well, I feel like a lot of anxiety stems from like, what are other people going to think about this? And mm-hmm. so, if you think about something like work, um, maybe I have something that is due or a homework assignment that is due, and I need to get it done. But I'm also just trying to take care of myself, and so maybe I haven't done it yet. Um, Maybe that's not taking care of myself by not doing it, but there's an expectation from somebody else that I'm going to do this. And if I'm unable to do it and they get angry, then that's like where some anxiety can come from. And I know that there needs to be in a perfect world, like for yourself that you can separate from that and know that, okay, maybe that's that person's anxiety, um, like impeding on my life. But I think that that's what a, a lot of this anxiety, like that's where a lot of it comes from. Is that there's like just a compounding effect of how other people experience things and that impacts how you experience things. And it's really difficult to kind of um, only manage yourself and have that boundary up. I would just push back on one thought that you gave there. And that is that I think it stems more from like the societal... I think it's more about reparenting that response in my opinion. And I know nothing. So like take it for what you want. But I think 
reparenting that whole idea of like figuring out where some of those thoughts are coming from. Why are you having anxiety about this? When did this come up for you in your past? I feel like that is a, uh, I think some of these anxieties are autopiloted responses, Mm -hmm. you know, and sometime in your past, people have, you've been in a situation where that did not go well. You did not like how it ended. And now you're feeling the anxiety preemptively for that you felt in a previous situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but then it's, I, I mean, to your point, I, I guess my point is that it's both because then on the other side of it, in those circumstances, um, you know, other people's actions are like influencing our own like anxieties in those moments. Mm-hmm. And then it's, yeah, being present enough and like aware enough of where your anxiety and feelings are coming from that you can, attempt to override that thought you know yeah so that's the the challenge yeah the balance because we're dealing with so many different people's feelings when uh we're just like interacting in the world Mm -hmm. and there's a lot to think about yeah and if we i guess with the move towards mindfulness it's really just focusing on yourself Mm -hmm. and that is what is going to be most positive for others as well right um, so, I mean, of course that's the goal, but yeah, like it's way easier said than done. Yeah. It's hard. It is. And I don't know because I'm again, not in any way trained in this. This is just like the one, one man's opinion, but like, I think the hardest part for people is to like figure out where to start and to get into the frame of mind where you're bought into starting mm-hmm. because the thought of starting is its own anxiety. Yeah. And that's super hard. Like if, if overcoming the anxiety of dealing with a expectation of somebody else that you're worried you won't be able to meet, for example, like the one you gave, if that's causing you anxiety, the idea of overriding your own anxiety is got to be even worse. So yeah. How does somebody like get into the frame of mind where they're like, positively motivated to begin the process of like understanding themselves and their anxieties so that they can recognize them when they're happening and be like, Oh wait, I'm not having this anxiety right now because I'm actually anxious. Mm -hmm. I'm having this anxiety because somebody told me, like Dr. Tracy said, somebody told me at some point that I'm not smart. So my body's reacting because I'm telling myself I'm not smart. Yeah. And now I'm having this reaction, but like, I actually am smart. And what does smart even mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's such a blanket term to put over whatever you want. Like yeah. some people know some things, some people know other things. There are people who are just undeniably just like brainiac people, but they don't know everything. Yeah. So yeah, like, and I think tracing that back, but being in a positive frame of mind to like really tackle that is an extremely difficult thing. I think most people probably have those moments like once or twice and it's just hard to, keep it going Mm -hmm. you know it is i think to start just naming the like the word autopilot was Mm -hmm. helpful for me for sure yeah um like mindfulness has definitely been helpful as well in the context that like okay i know that i need to be mindful of different things but hearing the word autopilot i think is like can really resonate with anybody and just asking yourself, like, am I on autopilot right now? Like a couple times throughout the day will really help you slow your mind down and slow your body down so that you're like, okay, 
maybe I should be more cognizant of what I'm doing. And then maybe I can stop and do something else or do what I need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I think to add on to that, I think another really powerful thing about the autopilot is it gives people the ability to remove blame from themselves for why they're behaving a specific way. Yeah. I think a lot of people do something and are like, dang, I'm a effed up person. Like I shouldn't have done that. Like that's on me. You have to carry all that guilt Mm -hmm. and that like self anger for that. But I think understanding the process of, you know, tracing that, that response and finding where that autopilot came from is like, oh, like that wasn't me. I saw X, Y, or Z person in my life growing up doing that. So that's why I do it. And that doesn't mean that that's you. That -hmm. means you're autopilot to respond that way. And if you like, and that ability to not shame yourself for doing something a certain way, I think is a really powerful, um, shed some positivity on the fact that like you it's it wasn't you to do it so it like you have control over that now you know Mm -hmm. so i think that's a important addition to the whole autopilot piece is that it removes that blame yeah and that can like once somebody's accepting of that that's what can really kickstart the process of starting to trace those behaviors and understand themselves and why they act the way they do and then potentially begin that like reparenting process. Yeah. Um, And I think the word reparenting, it can be thought of as something that's pretty like harsh. Yeah. I mean, I don't want it to be, it's got the word parent in it. So everybody wants, I think when you say it, people want to be like, Oh, you must have had fucked up parents. Yeah. And it's not that like reparenting can be in the context of anything that you've learned. It's not something that you just learned from your parents. Yeah. I mean, I think like, rewiring is a similar like similar type of a phrase but yeah it's like and she even clarifies in in our episode if people hadn't listened she says that it's your societal parent your friend group parent like Mm -hmm. these things that are supposed to nurture and guide us through certain phases of our life and our development as people that are off and we Mm -hmm. need to recognize that how they were off so that we can provide for ourselves all the pieces of the hierarchy that will help us get back on track with, you know, the, what we feel is right, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the balance with like accepting that like you've experienced more loss than somebody else, I think is tough too. I think people going through really difficult circumstances or experiencing a lot of trauma. Um, I mean, I I personally can't speak from experience, but I'm just trying to empathize and really understand. Like, it's got to be really difficult to say and accept that, hey, I need to reparent or like I need to do these things and need Mm -hmm. to rewire um, because I didn't get these needs met. And just the the initial acceptance of that, I I just, yeah, I don't want it to just seem like, you okay, you can do this once you're mindful. Like, that's a really challenging process. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's finding the balance of like, there's no reason to be pessimistic about the fact that you can do it Mm -hmm. because you can do it. Yeah. But you just have to embrace the fact that like, it's not going to happen tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like it's going to be hard. Like there's going to be challenges. You're going to feel like you're taking steps backwards. Mm -hmm. And that's a normal part of it because everybody's got their own process in figuring this stuff out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
yeah, it's not easy. And yeah, I think to set that realistic expectation of what it is with is important while also not making somebody seem like they've got a Mount Everest size road ahead of them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I don't know. And that's going to be a completely individualized process of figuring out like, do I need to look at this as like a, every 10 minutes I need to work on this. And every hour I need to check in with myself every day, every week, like where am I going to best be able to comprehend this road that I'm about to go on of reparenting. Mm -hmm. And cause some people are going to want to look at it as like, yeah, next month I'm going to check in with myself. Yeah. And some people are going to be like every day before I go to bed, I'm going to check in with myself. Yeah. And people just need different things. Mm -hmm. And this is where like you can start to utilize um, like tackling negative self-talk, I think can Mm -hmm. be a really good start to that too. If you're, it's a good one on yourself. Yeah. It's a good one. I think it's a good first one to think about, Mm -hmm. you know, to try and trace back. Yeah. Yeah. Just ask, like if you say something or you think there, there's a thought in your mind that's pretty negative about yourself, just Mm -hmm. like asking, okay, why am I saying this? Where is this coming from? Yeah. Have I been told this by other people or is this, uh, just like something that was really inherent in my life when I was really young? Mm -hmm. Um, that might bring up a lot of stuff, but it's, I think it can be really helpful and no one deserves to talk negatively about themselves. Yeah. I mean, I like using the phrase, like if you had a friend who talked to you the way that you talked to yourself, you wouldn't be friends with them. Mm. Flat out. You wouldn't talk to somebody else that way. So why would you give yourself the permission to disrespect yourself like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can't do it, you know? Yeah. And that's easier said than done, obviously, but it's like, like it's so important I think that is even more important because it's when you first make that decision, like if you catch yourself and we're like, I'm not going to let myself talk to myself that way. Like that to me is like somebody respecting themselves, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's super important for somebody to feel like, um, they can overcome because a lot of times those that comes from another person's disrespect. Like we're talking about tracing this back. Somebody was disrespectful, put that thought in somebody's head about themselves. They now regurgitate it to themselves constantly Mm -hmm. in certain situations. And now they are allowing the disrespect of others to turn into disrespect for themselves. And I think when you can swap that out for, I need to respect myself and not speak that way to myself. Like that's a great like step. Even if you only catch yourself and you do it one time, like Mm -hmm. you didn't do it one time before. So like, it's just about building that little by little, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that it, that can be so helpful in this whole process and just understanding that. And like we said, tying this back to what we were saying at the beginning of this, like just naming that, for Mm, yourself and stating like i'm saying this to myself like that's a huge strength in in and of itself if you you don't even know like how to really go about changing it yet just knowing that okay i'm i'm doing this to myself i think is such a huge step in that process and Mm -hmm. it's it's going to be challenging and it's not going to be something that okay you catch it once and it's done Uh, but as that process continues there can be a lot of growth and i wanted to also segue into talking about loss 
mm-hmm. because I think we've talked about loss in different contexts on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And talking to Dr. Tracy, um, so there's like a lot of loss you experience with trauma. And I, I think just any process in general, like you change a job, like you're losing that experience. You're lo- you might be angry that um, you don't have the same kind of coworkers. So you don't have the same kind of benefits. Uh, and then you go through this process of maybe now you're sad in your new job and then you accept that old job and you grow from it. And now you're in a great job and you're feeling really good about this one. Um, but I think just like change, like we need to talk more about like whenever there's change, there's a, some kind of a loss. I think those need to go hand in hand because mm-hmm. while change can be growth and I think loss can mean growth, but I think it needs to be accepted that like we're losing something when we change something. And then once yeah. we accept that, then that's when we can really focus on the gain that comes from it. Right. Yeah. Because I think too often we think about, okay, you're changing and you're going to step into this great role or you're going to do this thing where it's such a positive change and it's such a growth and a gain and then we neglect all the loss that might come with it. And then that might come up randomly in different spurts and it's not accepted well or it's not felt well because it wasn't acknowledged, Mm -hmm. right? Like talking to Brennan, an athlete, getting out of sport, you're like, oh, well, you got all these great things. You did all this good stuff. Like you can translate all these skills and get into an even better job. Like that was awesome. And it's like, well, (laughs) maybe it's a complete life shift and now they're experiencing loss and then they can accept that loss and then they can move on and accept that it can be huge growth. But I think, yeah, just too often we, we we're easily skipping over this loss piece and then it shows up in some negative way later. And it's, it's kind of detrimental. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that I, I like the idea of considering your changes in that are going on in your life as like wreck, recognizing that it is an experience like you're going to experience a loss Mm -hmm. so that you can register the fact that you're going to grow from it yeah Yeah, i don't know i think to go back to brennan's like perspective on how to get through the loss of a sport i think the same rules apply that your frame, your supportive framework has to be there. Otherwise it's going to be even more difficult. Mm-hmm. You need people to help show you and push you towards the positive outcome that could come from this. I think if somebody doesn't have that, they're going to go through a change and then it's just going to be like a lost cause. Yeah. You know, they're going to go through it and they're going to hate it. They're going to think about what they had before the comfort and the like safety net that they had in having a job that was familiar. And then yeah, they're not going to be able to overcome some of the obstacles that they're going to face at the beginning phases of like doing something new or losing something that was old. But yeah, I mean, the idea of like making a change in your life is always going to be scary, but it's just a matter of like, how are you setting yourself up to make the most out of the change? I Mm -hmm. guess, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's almost the same thing with Dr. Coget and how he started his career out at Morgan Stanley. And he thought that, Hey, this is what I needed to do. This is the kind of job I needed to get and got that job, hated it, 
probably experienced a loss within the job stating that like, God, this is what I always thought I wanted to do. This is what I worked so hard in school for. Now I'm here. And it's like, what the hell is this? This is, I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. Um, experienced that loss, was able to accept it and then made a change. Yeah. And I think, you know, maybe to reframe that, even that, I think, I think the loss actually occurs sooner than people realize. Mm. Like in Dr. Koje's instance, I would make the, you know, I would wager that his, his him experiencing loss occurred the minute he realized he didn't want to be there anymore. Yeah. He had already lost it. And I would say the most empowering thing he did was leave to go pursue something positive in his life. Mm-hmm. Like that is, once you've done that, you've made the step. The loss mm. has already happened. So yeah. to, to like cry about the loss at that point for Dr. Kujay is like, would just be silly, right? Mm-hmm. Like he knew that when he decided to leave that it was because he want, he was pursuing something better for his life. So that may be a good way for people to reframe it in like their own lives is like, if I'm, hmm. if you're doing it, going through a change, the minute you identify you needed to go through a change, you've already experienced the loss of mm-hmm. losing something you know yeah because it's not what you thought it was and it's no longer it no longer means to you what you wanted it to and that sucks yes you've been in grief yeah you've been you've been grieving through it this whole time yeah and maybe now you acknowledging that change is part of the like acceptance and mm-hmm. the meaning and purpose that you're taking from that grief yeah damn i like that brennan that was good you said it i just reset it i love when you reset that I like that we said that. <laughs> that was fantastic. Sweet. That was good. Uh, do you want to give a little tidbit about who we are talking to or who the next podcast is with? Sure. We have a professor of nutrition science. I don't know how much we want to give away, but we talk about, we try and uncover some truths about what is a dumpster fire of a nutrition landscape. I don't know how many fad diets there are out there that everybody wants to claim work, but um, we try and get it, gain a little clarity on like, what are some truths that we can really understand and know? Um, we talk about gut mi- microbiome and some of the importance of having a healthy gut microbiome and what that means for overall health. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you and I having a, experimented on ourselves with a bunch of different types of diets and nutrition plans and whatever we try and get some clarity on some of those things so we get a lot of information out of it i think it's a lot it's dense Mm -hmm. um that's definitely probably going to be one that's going to be listened to in tidbits because i think there's a lot of information there and um they just this guest knows so much mm-hmm. like we could have probably talked for like 24 hours and it's still like each bit of information would have been incredibly insightful yeah uh so yeah i i really enjoyed it i look forward to talking about it with you um in office hours and then also we we just hope it's it's helpful for all of you in this process because i think the one of the focuses on that one is that like the science and nutrition is still very young and we're all still kind of experimenting and that everything's like personalized. Like it's, mm-hmm. we all experience nutrition differently, so. And it's really easy to get like roped into a fad diet. Yeah. Like whether it's 
keto, being vegan, vegetarian, low carb, like low glycemic load carb. You can go anti-inflammatory carb. You can go autoimmune carnival paleo you can go like there's so you can go weight watchers slim fast you can do like there's so many things and we try and boil that down to like what is just good for humans yeah um so i think that it's a really beneficial one yes so thanks for joining um we hope that you all have a good new year and we hope that our next podcast helps people on their new year's resolutions if living a healthy lifestyle is a part of that yeah could be a good start give it a listen (laughs) and give it a listen uh thanks for joining us yeah we look forward to a lot of different professors and a lot of different content this year so stay tuned and uh happy new year happy new year